We're in First Kings, chapter 19, verse number 16. And you shall anoint, say anoint, anoint. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So, Father, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us because he leads us to all truth. So give us open hearts. Help us not to just hear with our ears, but to learn because your word is planted in us. We are your servants in all areas where you have appointed us. So today in Jesus' name, may we each carry our responsibility with joy. We thank you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe all members of the body of Christ are anointed to serve Jesus and one another in his church and in our culture. Now, this is an important message about you, God's plan and his call for your life. Not just kings and prophets require an anointing. In the Old Testament, anointing appears to have been limited. In my text, one is anointed to be the king. Another is anointed as God's mouthpiece. One anointing was for government. The other was to be a spokesperson for the Lord. The king who was anointed to serve was not in what we would call full-time ministry as God's spokesperson. In other words, he would not be included in the five-fold gifts given to the New Testament church. On the other hand, Elisha was anointed for full-time ministry as a spokesperson for the Lord to give direction spiritually. The point of this text, God has an anointing for everyone for your specific function in the body of Christ and culture. The same Holy Spirit distributes his power to perform your specific function. The Holy Spirit anoints the singer in the service, and he also anoints the person who's in finance business. An anointing for the businessman or woman, the contractor, the auto salesperson, the investment broker, the school teacher, the nurse, the doctor, those in law enforcement, those who serve doing things that some of us might not even allow to be on our radar, and yet they continue to serve with gladness. Sometimes we think God only anoints those in full-time ministry. The truth, the Holy Spirit anoints God's people for specific tasks. In the Old Testament, priests were anointed, kings were anointed, prophets were anointed, some brought forth the word of God, Kings were anointed to govern the people of the Lord. <clears throat> but in the New Testament, God puts it like this. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. Some in the church are priests, prophets, in full-time ministry service. Others are called to a different type ministry, like kings. Kings went out and they conquered 
enemies and, and they took spoil and the king would provide provision for the vision the prophet revealed. They both had to be anointed. And we need to understand that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is specifically given for specific service for the Lord. So those in full-time service must be anointed for their calling. And sometimes we see that as we witness them being used by God in unusual and supernatural ways during the week and on Sundays as they deliver the revelation of God's truth. But CCC, understand, there's also an anointing upon your life. It's the same Holy Spirit, different responsibilities, but the same Holy Spirit. I don't dare come to this platform without preparing my soul for my calling. Studied, prepped in God's Word, listening to the Holy Spirit, praying for God's help and discernment. I've sought God, asked Him for wisdom, Help me in this decision. Where do you want to take us? I take my anointing seriously. You need to realize the Holy Spirit has anointed you for a specific task. You need to take that seriously. Never approach your assignment or your job without preparing. Be praying in your car on your way to the next meeting. Be fearful if you have failed to prepare. You must give God something to anoint. So I prepare. I respect the Holy Spirit. I consider it an honor to serve the Lord in this capacity. You should also in the capacity of your calling in life. I wouldn't approach my responsibilities as a New Testament priest, minister, in a flippant way. Neither should you approach your ministry calling unprepared. As a mother, housewife, mechanic, carpenter, computer software, IT, you should pray, you should prepare, you should stir up the anointing, you say, God, I really need your help. So it's like today, if I were to call you after lunch, and I were to say to you, you go ahead and preach tonight, Don, it'd be crunch time. The football game, off. The nap, over. Sweating bullets, crying, praying. Why? This is serious business. You ought to approach your vocation the same way because the Holy Spirit has anointed you to your task. The anointing is not a plaything. Perhaps we ought to approach our vocation like a pastor approaches the pulpit because that's your calling. That is your anointing. Perhaps you should approach your workplace as it is the assignment God has for you in this season of your life. Well, pastor, why is that important? Because that is your place of influence. This is my place of influence. I don't dare step into it without having prepared myself. To step up here without having sought God, without having prayed, without preparing my heart, I would never dare to do that. Your place of influence is your career. And if you're a stay-at-home parent, you need to prep before each day's tasks because it's your place of influence. So never look at your calling as casual. The day I come up here with a casual attitude, God has the right to withdraw his anointing from my life. 
That should be the posture of your heart each day as you approach your calling to serve. That this is not a light thing. This is an awesome thing. If you're anointed to flip that burger, flip it! Isn't it interesting? Jesus took the cross down the Via Della Rosa. I've been on the Via Della Rosa. Through the places of local commerce and business in Jerusalem. Not on back streets. Through the main street of Jerusalem on his way to Golgotha. In the middle of secular Jerusalem, with all of its business, Jesus carried the cross of redemption. We have plenty of crosses that we utilize within the framework of the campus of the church. But we need some crosses in the, in the places of business, where we do commerce in our community. I was at our Verizon store just a little over a week ago. I was back to see a salesperson I had done business with a few days prior. And I stopped right in front of the store, and I'm looking through the glass, and I don't see my sales rep. So I waited a few minutes and thought, well, I'll come back when I see him. So I put my car in reverse, and these two managers come running out the front door, and I thought, wow, when are they going to try to sell me, you know? So they said, you're the pastor from Calvary. I said, I am. They said, you know, this morning we were just praying that God would send somebody here to have a word of prayer with us. You have no idea how kind of people we have to deal with some days and the stuff we deal with when they come in here. And we were just praying that God would send somebody here today to pray that the Holy Spirit would anoint us and keep the devils off of us. And I said, well, let's go in and pray. So right there in the right there in front of the glass, in front of everybody, three of us stood there and we prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to anoint them and to bless them right there in the marketplace where they do business. We need crosses that are carried into the workplaces. Not just the ones we wear, but the ones that are demonstrated. Most are never called to preach a sermon, but your lifestyle, your conversation, your attitude, it's lifestyle evangelism. You'll live Christ before your co-workers, and God will anoint you as his example. Jesus carried the cross of redemption through the marketplace of Jerusalem, the public walk we live out, loving like him, living like him, leading like him. It matters in the word of God that the anointing oil was poured on the king and the prophet. It's not an accident. Because anytime you start thinking that the Holy Spirit's only applicable to our church environment, you have just limited the possibilities of God. The Holy Spirit's anointing is not just for the local environment, worship, praise, preaching, altar. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is not limited. So you should be anointed tomorrow at your workplace. If the anointing is not necessary, why did God instruct his prophet to go anoint a king and to anoint another prophet? Because even though they are two specific anointings for individually specific purposes, yet it's the same Holy Spirit. They are equally important to the mission of Jesus and his church. God anoints his people for specific purposes. The anointing is to enhance what God gifted you to do. Some are gifted in sales. Some are gifted with the ability to construct. Some are gifted to sing. 
Some are gifted to teach. Some are gifted to govern. Some are gifted to enforce the law. Some are gifted to build wealth. Some are wired to notice minute details. Some are gifted to put on a uniform and defend our rights and freedoms. The anointing in our day, New Testament day, is to rest upon each of us, enhancing what you do and what you're gifted to do. It's difficult, though, to watch somebody do something they're not gifted to do. Mm. That's all I'm doing. So see you. All our homes free. There are those gifted to sing. There are those who think they are gifted to sing. And fingernails on a chalkboard, they might enjoy, but we're suffering. We're suffering. David was a gifted warrior, the scripture says. He was also a gifted worshiper and a gifted individual who honored the Lord with his life. He killed a lion attacking his herd. He killed a bear. Think about these two creatures, how powerful they are. And they came attacking his herds, and he killed the bear. When the anointing operated in his life, he killed the giant, Goliath. But he was already gifted. And nothing is more powerful than an anointed professional on his or her job. What a testimony. And whatever your giftings, God desires to anoint you so you can be successful. God desires to anoint you with the Spirit to reveal the cross in the marketplace where you work so Jesus can be seen in your life in the middle of your workplace. The anointing comes from the Holy Spirit, no matter if you're a king or a prophet. So watch this. Remember when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel. King Saul had failed God and lost his anointing in his position with the Lord. And now the prophet Samuel was to anoint God's choice for Saul's successor. Now Jesse has seven sons that are present when Samuel arrives, and all of them wanted to be anointed to become the next king of Israel. And Samuel did not anoint any of them and said to them as he looked at each of them, No, you're not the one. No, you're not the one. And Samuel asked Jesse, Is there not another one? And Jesse said, Yes, guess where he is? He's out in the workplace. All of the seven sons had their resumes and they displayed their strengths and their successes. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. They might have aspired to spiritual leadership, but God called the one in the workplace. They had made quite a statement with their appearance, but Samuel wanted to see David. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. The culture is standing in attention, waiting for the anointed workplace people to manifest. Our culture will not change because of preachers. The culture will be changed when anointed servants use their power and influence in the workplace. The culture sees Jesus in you, not because you're preaching all the time, not because you pray in tongues out loud over your lunch. There's something about bowing your head for 10 seconds in acknowledgement of the Lord, not to be seen because 
but because you honor God wherever you are, being excellent at what you do, working hard, getting along with people, building relationships. That goes with being a servant of Jesus. And you make impact when you live like that. You need the anointing more than I do. Why? Because I'm not going to win this world. You are. Many have overlooked this important matter. Acting like the anointing is not necessary to doing your job. And Samuel said, we won't sit down until the anointed one gets here. Now, there's nothing wrong with desiring to do well on your job. Nothing wrong with desiring to be successful in your career. Nothing wrong with desiring to be a great achiever. Be released from the mentality that there's something wrong with success. God wants to give you tremendous and astonishing successes if you will believe and receive his anointing in your field of labor. The anointing will teach you all things, whatever you need. Some limit that to mean, well, he'll teach you how to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Of course he will. And amen, he will do that. But his presence can also teach you how to make a good business decision to purchase this land or to take a pass on it. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit anointed the early descendants of Adam for specific skill sets. His brother's name was Jubal. Genesis 4, he was the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. So the first musical instruments are mentioned and are constructed. And he knows how to play them because he's been anointed and called of God to bring this into the culture. And as for Zilla, she also bore Tubalcane, an instructor of every craftsman, of every craftsman in bronze and in iron. And here are the first people who build tools and know how to use them. And that gets passed along in the heritage. Should you take that position? Should you hire that person? Should you take this risk? The Holy Spirit anointing will equip you for that. He anoints one for priestly work. He anoints another to work well in your office. Many people do not apply this truth, nor do they believe this truth. Like a pastor who comes to the platform who hasn't adequately prepared himself. God help us. But on your way to work, I pray the Holy Spirit gets on you and you take time. You turn your radio off. You tell the Lord, I acknowledge you as my manager. I'm trusting you to lead and guide me in my decision making. You're my source. You're my success. You're my victory. I thank you that you're with me. I don't have a secular life and a business life and a spiritual life. No, I put everything that I am into your hands. I'm not compartmentalized. I'm a whole person in your hands today. So grant me favor, grant me grace, grant me anointing, enhance my ability beyond what I know in my intellect to do. David was anointed to be king. And 22 years later, David became the king of Israel. Some assume that happened overnight. (laughs) See, your anointing and your appointing to, to do don't always line up. Sometimes there's a gap between the will of the Lord and the timing of the Lord, and they're both equal, and there's a gap for a reason. It's called character development, because he's going to build in you the character that will carry 
the appointment that he has for you in life. But you remain faithful to what God's called you to do once he's put his hand on you. And understand, God has appointed and anointed you to the marketplaces of our culture. The commerce centers where business is transacted. Okay, by a show of hands. How many of you are in full-time ministry? By a show of hands. 90% of you just failed the test of everything I just preached. One more chance? All of you are in full-time ministry. See yourself as a full-time minister. This is what God called me to do, and I'm doing it with excellence because I'm anointed for him. I'm called to full-time service in the office of pastor. You are called into your marketplace. When I was called to full-time ministry as a pastor, I had to prepare myself. I went to our flagship institution in Springfield, Missouri. Beyond that, I enrolled in seminary. I had to take tests. I had to be interviewed. I was challenged in my Bible knowledge and beliefs. I had to be approved for ministry by those appointed to higher leadership positions than mine. Finally, I was granted a license to preach. Two years later, I was ordained into ministry. Every single year, I must renew and be reapproved by those over me in ministry to continue my ordination credential. The Holy Spirit appoints those and anoints those to five-fold ministry offices. He also anoints everyone to a specific assignment in the marketplaces. They too should have standards and practices to meet and to maintain. Now, Pastor, where's that found in the Bible? Well, let me show you. Acts 6. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Summation, the food pantry, the kitchen, had some organizational issues. And pastors were attempting to daily intervene and work through this, but they weren't anointed nor equipped to do that in that purpose because they were trying to referee food fights and contentions. In Acts chapter 6, verse 2, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. We will. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. So they ordained these servants to these specific ministries. And they commissioned these business people to handle the workplace because they had been anointed for that kind of a task. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them and they were released to be in food service for the church. They were appointed, anointed, had hands laid on them and blessed for that service. So some people think their work is just what they kind of do routinely every day. What will happen when you recognize the Holy Spirit can anoint you to that work? The Holy Spirit will then enhance what you're already gifted to do. 
So when God created earth, and here, here are examples, he makes this observation related to growing and harvesting from the land, planting, growing, harvesting. Work is mentioned for the very first time in Genesis 2. There was no man to till or work the ground. Adam had not been created yet. God held back the growing of the crops because he wanted man to have his role to play on earth. Work, responsibility. And before the fall of Adam, work and the difficulty in sweating to work. See, that was not under a curse. There was no curse on work. It was easier to work. Adam flowed perfectly in his anointed work. It was a blessing to work. It's part of your destiny. So never minimize your work assignment. God's principles for working are the same for you as they are for me. If I would have come to CCC 24 years ago with an attitude of no big deal, we'll just remain as we are and keep things exactly the same. No, to achieve his purpose, you must ask God to anoint you to do what you're really good at doing. Do the best you can. And if you'll ask him, he'll anoint you to do your work. So God's interested in people because he wants his message in the marketplace. God holds back things until people are anointed to work. And then he begins bringing forth amazing successes in their lives. You ever thought, if as God I were sending my son Jesus to earth to redeem the human race, and I'm about to make this great sacrifice, what, what environment would I send my son to? Some would say, well, into the home of a priest, because it's a spiritual house. But someone like Zacharias and Elizabeth because priests were married in that day, and they, they had children. And many would have placed God's son into a religious environment to be mentored. I mean, a home for the holy baby Jesus, right? But not God the Father. He decided that he would send his son the Christ to be born into the home of a carpenter. That Jesus would work in the marketplace for about 20 years of his life before being released for purpose for three and a half years. And some minimize the workforce and act like there's no need for me to be anointed to serve in the marketplace. But Jesus was sent into the home of a carpenter. Not super spiritual, not church talk every day as it might have been into the home of a priest. But did our wood order arrive? How about the nails? How close are we to delivering that order for that new homeowner? Did we get the contract to build that new stable? This is the kind of an environment Jesus participated in. In a minister's home, pretty much everything is, is ministry-related and talked about, although I'm grateful for the first 18 years of my life. I grew up in the home of a businessman. After I graduated college and went on to enroll in seminary, I continued to work for my dad in the home of a businessman. And I had the experiences of living in the home and working for a godly businessman. Jesus was in the home of a carpenter. God wanted his son to have an understanding that all who serve him, whether in the priesthood or as a carpenter, are anointed to serve. Jesus spent more years in the workforce than he did in ministry as our Redeemer. Yet Jesus knew his purpose by age 12. And God shows us that we are to be anointed at whatever he calls us to do. 
Listen to this. Before Jesus left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. And in telling the story, Jesus uses the concept of banking, business. Then Jesus calls his servants to account because he comes back, which means he will be back. Two of them had returned on the ten pounds of silver that each was given, and he makes the two of them rulers over specific amounts of cities according to their productivity. Now watch. To the third one, he said, you wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you if you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest from it. All of this is about business with eternal kingdom rewards. Luke 19, Jesus said unto them, Occupy till I come. Literally, Jesus said, Do business until I return. Quit thinking doing business is not spiritual. It is. In another similar story, Jesus distributes talents. That is not referring to playing an instrument in church. He specifies that it's money that he has distributed. And he says, well done to the ones who have invested it wisely. He commends those. and They brought him a return on investment. The one in the story who fails to invest earned a stern rebuke and loses whatever it was he had been given. Wow. Pretty strong stuff, huh? In Genesis 2. Then the Lord God took the man, that's Adam, and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Anointed work. We get the word cultivate from the word culture. The first commandment concerning work affect the culture of your workplace. Take care of what I put in your hands. Calvary Christian Center, affect the culture of your workplace. This is God's command to every one of us. If you've been on the job for 15 years and no one sees your faith in Christ, if you've never attempted to personally lead somebody to Christ, you're not affecting the culture of your workplace. And here's how you know it. Because if, you, if they say something they know they shouldn't say in front of you, they respect you and they'll catch themselves. And you're not going to respond to them when they say the wrong thing in front of you by saying, you're going to hell. Okay? But the Holy Spirit is seen in your lifestyle. You built a relationship, so they begin to open up to you about their issues, and you witness to how God blessed you in a similar situation. Relationship evangelism, that's what Jesus did regularly, daily. You aren't walking around condemning everybody. You do what you do with excellence. It will show up in your speech. It will show up in your lifestyle. It will even affect how you appear in appearance when you go over to work. You love, you live, and you lead like Jesus. You love God, and you love people. And when they're in trouble, they'll gravitate towards you. And they'll say like this, I don't go to church, but I need you to put in a word to the man upstairs. 
They just opened the door wide enough to drive a semi through. So you don't just stand there. You act. They're hurting, which means they're ready to listen. And each of you has a ministry. And each of you has a responsibility. Okay? Wheels down, ready to land. We need workplace Christianity. True followers of Jesus. If everyone, everyone here at Calvary led one person to Jesus in the next 12 months, and I don't mean just say a prayer with them. You took them on as a responsibility and friend. You befriended them relationally. You brought them to church. You made sure they walked through the steps of being water baptized. You got them in a small group on campus or off. You helped them find their ministry calling. You established them and discipled them in the church. We will double our church in 12 months. The same anointing teaches you concerning all things. All things. Well, the anointing is just for, no, it says all things. The anointing will teach you to improve your skill sets. You'll be better at sheet rocking. You'll be better in sales. You'll be better at farming and in carpentry. Because all your business skill sets and principles for business success are in God's word. God planted throughout his word principles for good business. So one of our businessmen handed this to me, got this for me by Rabbi Daniel Lapin. Lapin, business secrets from the Bible. Nothing new. It's all jam-packed in God's Word. You have to open the book. You have to read it and ask the Holy Spirit to teach me business principles so I can do what the Scripture says so I can have great success. Wow. Say, I'm anointed to do all things. And God wants to use you. You have influence with people I'll never have. And if you dare to invite them as your guest to church, and for sure, lunch after, I'll pick up the tab, they'll probably get born again. There's no telling how many would be born again if you learn to take the gospel to the marketplace. That's where the gospel is supposed to be. Whenever I'm with someone who doesn't know who I am, see, you are with people like this. You know them better than I do. You're with them all the time. Occasionally, I'll bump into them and bump into you, and you'll introduce me to somebody, and they don't know me, but they're talkative, they're friendly, and they're excited, and then as soon as they ask, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. Shut down. Why? I don't have the influence you have. God placed you where you are to influence for him. He wants them in heaven. That's why he put you there. And will they be there because you acted? There has to be a burden for those that God has placed you with. And when people like you use your influence and are anointed to be used for him in the marketplace, John's prayer for you. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. John asked that Christ followers prosper in all things, that you live in health, and someone will be healed before the day is over in one of our services. Tell your neighbor, be in health. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you.
I say that in my anointing right now. He's the God who heals us. And then he said, in all things, whatever job you find yourself, whatever you're facing in the marketplace, you're anointed to prosper in all things. Be in health as well. And third, as your soul prospers, your physical financial strength are tied to your spiritual strength. It's not how clever you are. It's being plugged into the Son of God. And I say this over and over and over on your life. You will not live under the curse of debt in Jesus' name. I pray over you, be in health as your soul prospers. Because it's God's intention for you that whatever you're doing by his assignment in life, you're anointed to do it and you have good success. Stand and give God your best praise before we leave. Come on. Stand and give God your best praise. Come on, bless him. Bless him.